Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Well, today I'm going to read you Chapter 2 from the fifth book in the Nanny Piggins series, which is Nanny Piggins and the Rival Ringmaster, and it's called The House of Piggins, which is a bit of a deceptive title because it's not actually about a house, it's about wedding cakes. But anyway, the chapter is really good, even if the title is not. Uh, the reason I chose this chapter is because I wasn't sure what I was going to do this week and I asked my children for advice and my youngest one, who you may know as Tammy, uh, suggested this chapter because when I do author presentations, I often talk about this chapter because uh, I tell a story about how I come up with ideas for stories. And in fact, I think it's an episode of this podcast. I did it earlier on. So you can go back and listen to the uh, podcast episode that's called My Story About Coming Up With Stories and find out how I came up with the ideas for this story. So let's get on and I'll read it. Here we go. The House of Piggins. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children were feeling very sorry for themselves. None of them had sustained an injury, but the most important person in their entire world had. Hans the baker was out of action. It all started when Nanny Piggins had woken up the previous day with a yen for angel cake. She had immediately kept the children out of school and gone down to place an order with Hans. He had initially said there was no way he could possibly make 500 angel cakes in just one day. But after Nanny Piggins had shaken him by the collar and beseechingly explained just how much she really needed angel cake, Hans agreed to try his best. Unfortunately, somewhere around the seventh hour of hand-whipping egg whites, his electric mixer had burnt out after just two hours, Hans was stricken with a debilitating pain in his right forearm, and when Nanny Piggins rushed him to the doctor, it was concluded that Hans had Baker's elbow, a stress fracture in his ulna caused by too much whipping. "'What are we going to do?' wailed Nanny Piggins when they returned home after dropping Hans at his flat over the bakery. Buy Hans a nice card and perhaps some flowers, suggested Samantha. Yes, of course we'll do that, said Nanny Piggins. But I meant, what are we going to do for cake? I'm starving. You could make a cake yourself, said Derek. No, 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 that will not do, said Nanny Piggins. I need cake now. If I tried to make a cake myself, I would just be overcome with hunger and eat all the mixture before I put it in the oven. Uh, we could drive into town and find another cake shop, suggested Samantha. No, <sighs> sighed Nanny Piggins. Their cakes wouldn't be as good as Hans. It would only remind me of how much I miss him. He's only been out of action for an hour and a half, said Michael. Nanny Piggins began to sob. Oh, has it been that long already? What am I going to do? Will I ever eat cake again? I know, said Derek. Let's drive over to the cake factory in Slimbridge. But it's closed on Saturdays, said Nanny Piggins. 
We could break in, suggested Michael. No, they've installed new heat-sensing technology and retina eye scanners on all the doors. Ever since the last time I let myself in for just a little snack, sighed Nanny Piggins. But if we're never going to eat cake again, said Boris, his lower lip beginning to tremble. What are we going to do on my birthday? He burst into loud, wailing sobs and collapsed on Samantha's shoulder, causing her to collapse and pinning her to the floor. There must be somewhere we can go where there's cake, said Michael. Nanny Piggins instantly snapped out of her depression and leapt up from the table. You're a genius, she exclaimed. I am, asked Michael. Oh, yes, said Nanny Piggins, a big smile on her face. Where is the very finest cake always served on a Saturday afternoon? The children looked at each other in confusion. They had no idea, and Boris was still weeping too hard to contribute to the conversation. At weddings, declared Nanny Piggins. People are always getting married on Saturdays, and where there is a wedding, there has to be a cake. Usually a great big delicious cake, with lots of marzipan icing and sugar decorations. But we haven't been invited to any weddings, said Samantha. Nanny Piggins looked down at her. Samantha was still pinned to the floor, and smiled fondly. The only reason we haven't been invited to any weddings is because the brides and grooms have never had the opportunity to meet us. I'm sure if they had, we would be the first people on their list. We're a lot more fun than a bunch of boring old aunts and cousins. But isn't wedding crashing wrong, said Derek. It's only wrong if we just eat the cake and leave, said Nanny Piggins. I'm fully prepared to dance with everyone and tell them some of my very best stories. Trust me, by the time we leave, they'll be pressing extra cake into our pockets. And so Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children got into Mr Green's car. They had to throw Mr Green out to do so because it was Saturday, so naturally Mr Green was trying to drive to work. But Nanny Piggins told Mr Green he had to walk because his doctor had rung up saying his legs would wither away if he didn't use them at least once a fortnight. Then they got Boris to stop crying long enough to get into the car by reminding him that his birthday was 11 months away and chances were that Han's stress fracture would be healed by then. After the initial excitement of heading off to eat cake at a wedding, it soon occurred to them that they had no idea when or where any weddings were occurring. Couldn't you just use your extraordinary sense of smell to find one, asked Samantha. Nanny Piggins leaned out the window and sniffed the air. You would think so, but unfortunately, the types of distinctively wedding-y smells I could normally smell, you know, the fear of the groom, the cooking sherry being secretly drunk by the vicar, or the gaffer tape holding the bride's strapless dress up, are all masked by the mass of flowers in the bouquets and arrangements. Well, couldn't you sniff for the flowers then, asked Derek. I could, agreed Nanny Piggins, but flowers are actually quite common in flower beds as well, so we could find ourselves drawn into several wild goose chases. No, I think the best tactic is to drive around looking for churches surrounded by deliriously happy people throwing rice. Are we going to eat the rice too, asked Michael. No, said Nanny Piggins. For some reason, they only throw uncooked rice at weddings. Although if you think about it, it would make much more sense to throw cooked rice, preferably something delicious, like Thai special fried rice or a nice creamy rice pudding. That way, the bride and groom would have something to nibble while they get in their photos taken. There's one, exclaimed Boris. 
One what? asked Nanny Piggins, slamming on the brakes of the car. A dodo? If so, well spotted, because I've always wanted to see one. No better than that, said Boris. A wedding! Sure enough, up ahead was a church with guests pouring out to congratulate a very happy-looking bride and groom. Excellent, exclaimed Nanny Piggins, getting out of the car. Come along, children. We must give our best wishes to the lovely couple. Why, asked Derek, if we just turn up at the wedding and start scoffing cake, that will look suspicious, said Nanny Piggins. We must first establish our cover as invited guests. With that, Nanny Piggins marched across the road, her arms spread wide, calling out, My dears, you look breathtaking. I can't wait to get to your reception to celebrate this happy union. Oh, and speaking of which, perhaps you could give me directions to the venue. As usual, Nanny Piggins was right. They did have a wonderful time at the wedding. Nanny Piggins delighted the other guests with her death-defying stories. She even acted them out. Fortunately, there was a chandelier for her to swing on and a pair of replica 17th century dueling swords on the wall that she could fence with. Then, after the meal, she danced. And oh, what a dance. Suffice it to say, the bride is lucky she married the groom earlier in the day, for if she had not, his head would have been quite turned by Nanny Piggins. Finally, the moment they had all been waiting for arrived, the cutting of the cake. Nanny Piggins insisted they use the 17th century dueling swords so they could cut really big pieces, and as soon as she, Boris and the children sank their teeth into their first bite, they knew it had all been worth it. There is something about weddings that brings out the best in people. It's one day in their life when they say, go on, put another stick of butter in that cake mix, and why stop at one? Let's have two inches of creamy thick icing. As a result, the cake was so good that after one bite you had to quickly take a drink because there was so much sugar in the icing, the process of osmosis caused it to suck all the moisture out of your mouth. Nanny Piggins was in heaven. She stopped speaking altogether for a full two minutes and just made noises like, mm, 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 and, oh, mm, mm, as she ate. When they finally left the reception after saying goodbye to everyone and promising to come to the first anniversary party the following year, Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children returned home very satisfied. What a wonderful wedding, declared Nanny Piggins. It was a good cake, agreed Derek. Good is not the word, exclaimed Nanny Piggins. It was divine. We'll definitely have to do that again tomorrow. "'Tomorrow?' exclaimed Samantha. "'Oh, yes,' said Nanny Piggins. "'The doctor said Hans would be out of action for at least a fortnight. "'I can't go a whole two weeks without eating another cake like that.' "'But Nanny Piggins,' said Samantha, "'it's one thing to gatecrash one wedding, "'but to gatecrash two weddings, that's just naughty.' "'Don't worry,' said Nanny Piggins. "'I wasn't planning to gatecrash two weddings.' Oh, good, sighed Samantha. I was planning to gatecrash another three, said Nanny Piggins, taking out a crumpled list from her pocket. The caterer gave me the skinny on where all the weddings are happening across town tomorrow. We're going to gatecrash three weddings in one day, asked Derek. Don't think of it as gatecrashing, advised Nanny Piggins. Gatecrashing is wrong. No, what we are doing is providing entertainment in the form of our delightful company in exchange for a small portion of their wedding cake. Today you ate the entire second tier of the wedding cake all on your own, Samantha reminded her. For which the bride should thank me, said Nanny Piggins. You know what humans are like, always watching their weight. She should be grateful I saved her from having all that cake lying around her home, tempting her. 
And so the next morning, Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children put on their best party clothes and headed out to celebrate the institution of marriage again. Despite the children's concerns about being thrown in jail for the serial theft of cake, they ended up having a wonderful day. All the weddings were very different. The Wong Yap wedding had lion dancers, although Nanny Piggins could not understand why they used men in suits and not real lions. The Fitzgerald Fitzsimons wedding had a bouncy castle, which was a good idea in theory, but not so good in practice at an event where people are eating large amounts of food. Fortunately, the maitre d' had a hose handy. But the Lee Edwards wedding was the best as far as Nanny Piggins was concerned, because they had a chocolate fountain. You were meant to dip strawberries in it, but no one noticed when Nanny Piggins stuck her whole head under the warm, chocolatey flow. Although it did have a spectacular effect on her hairstyle, and her hat was lost for three hours until the father of the bride dipped in a strawberry and drew out the elegant bonnet. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children returned home that night, very tired and very full of cake. Well, that was fun, admitted Samantha. But we aren't going wedding crashing tomorrow, are we? We have school, and no one gets married on a Monday. No, there'll be no more wedding crashing, agreed Nanny Piggins. The children were relieved. After four weddings in two days, they felt if they ate any more, they'd explode. The wedding cakes were good, delicious even, continued Nanny Piggins. But there was something lacking. I thought there was room for improvement. But you cried when you ate the chocolate orange layer cake at the Wong Yap wedding because it tasted so good, said Michael. Yes, but I was very hungry at the time, said Nanny Piggins. It was only when I ate my eighth slice that I began to realise there was room for improvement. Where were the chocolate chunks? Where were the chocolate sprinkles? The children had no answers for these rhetorical questions. Why were none of the four wedding cakes entirely dipped in chocolate? asked Nanny Piggins. The children did not know. It certainly would have been easy enough at the Lee Edwards wedding. The chocolate fountain was right there, added Boris. The world of wedding cake creation is obviously crying out for a new creative influence. A baker with a genius for cake, icing and visionary design, said Nanny Piggins. In short, they need me. What are you planning to do? asked Samantha, beginning to suspect that perhaps she would not be going to school tomorrow after all. I am going to open the House of Piggins, said Nanny Piggins. Why is she opening a house? asked Michael. I think Nanny Piggins is talking about starting a wedding cake baking business, explained Derek. Piffle to that, said Nanny Piggins. The House of Piggins will be more than a cake baking business. It will be a design studio for cake-based art. Hey parents. Yeah, you. Are you looking for a podcast your kids will really love? Well, we made one just for you. And for us. As genuine, all-natural kids ourselves, we know what makes a fun and interesting podcast. So we decided to make it ourselves. Every show is packed with interviews, stories, and on-the-ground reporting. We have interviewed everyone from scientists to Grammy Award-winning musicians to NFL quarterbacks. Listen to Wild Interest wherever you get your podcasts.
And so the House of Piggins went into business, and it was immediately a huge success. If anything, it was too successful because the cakes were so good. If guests knew a House of Piggins cake was going to be served, they started yelling, get on with it, and where's the cake, in the middle of the marriage ceremony. At one wedding, the bride actually bolted halfway through the vows, not because she wanted to run out on the groom. She married him at a second ceremony later in the day, but because she wanted to get to the reception before anybody else and start eating the cake. She had bought a wedding dress with an elasticated waistband, especially so she could eat lots and lots of it. The vicar was very cross with Nanny Piggins. Everyone has gathered here to celebrate the sanctity of marriage, and that has been ruined by your cake, he accused. Pish, retorted Nanny Piggins. My cakes are single-handedly propping up the marriage rate. You should be thanking me. I'm bringing you business. But the institution of marriage is the most important thing about a wedding day, argued the vicar. And it would be much happier institution if married people ate more cake, argued Nanny Piggins. I refuse to conduct any more weddings where you supply the cake, shouted the vicar. I refuse to supply my cake to any more of your ceremonies, countered Nanny Piggins. She turned on her heel and marched out of the church. The children hurried after her. But Nanny Piggins, said Michael, you love making wedding cakes. Oh, I'm not quitting the wedding cake business, declared Nanny Piggins. I'm diversifying. I'm going to become a wedding celebrant. From now on, I will supply the cake and the marriage ceremony. And she was true to her word, which meant the vicar soon found himself with a lot more free Saturdays, because the House of Piggins wedding ceremonies became an instant hit. Nanny Piggins solved the problem of having guests and bridal party members making an undignified dash for the cake by borrowing her old cannon from the circus and starting each of her ceremonies by blasting cake all over the congregation. She spattered them with delicious chocolate cake, lemon drizzle cake or sticky toffee surprise cake, whatever the bride and groom requested. The congregation enjoyed eating the impromptu snacks they scraped off their clothes and it was quite an icebreaker. It also made Nanny Piggins tremendously popular with the local dry cleaners. The House of Piggins wedding ceremonies was doing a roaring trade. Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children spent all week making the most fantastic cakes her mind could imagine. And she had quite an imagination when it came to cake. And then they spent all Saturday and Sunday running one wedding after another. One Monday morning, after a particularly exhausting weekend of cake, cake and more cake, Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children were sitting around the kitchen table, girding themselves for another long week of cake baking ahead, by eating a slice of cake, when they were interrupted by a knock at the door. I wonder who that could be, said Boris. If it's a young couple wanting to get married, said Nanny Piggins, tell them I've got a three-year waiting list for a full marriage service. Or they can come in now and I'll marry them while I start work on the next cake. Then to celebrate, I'll let them lick the spoon. Michael rushed back a moment later. It's not a couple, he said. It's a herald. As in Hark the Herald, Angel Sing, asked Nanny Piggins. A man dressed in purple tights, crimson bloomers and an old-fashioned velvet tunic with gold trim stepped into the room and blew a trill on a trumpet. Everyone flinched, partly because unaccompanied trumpet music is dreadful, but mainly because it was tremendously loud noise in an enclosed space. Hark, said the herald. Oh, it's just like the song, said Nanny Piggins. I come with great tidings from the royal palace of Molavadina, said the herald. Her Royal Highness, the Princess Annabel, has requested your immediate presence in the Principality to assist in the preparations for her imminent nuptials. 
Harumi what what? asked Nanny Piggins. She's getting married soon, explained Samantha. Oh, said Nanny Piggins, catching on. The princess wants a cake. His Royal Highness the King of Molavadina, continued the Herald, has a private jet waiting to fly you out to the Principality immediately. I will need to bring my elite cake-baking team, said Nanny Piggins shrewdly. Who? asked Michael. Shh, chided Derek. I think she means us. Of course, said the Herald. His Highness has decreed that no expense be spared in making Princess Annabelle the finest wedding cake ever made. That would have to be pretty fine, said Nanny Piggins. I made a triple chalk fudge cake last week that was dangerously good. The children nodded their agreement. In the end, Nanny Piggins had decided the cake was too good to use at the wedding, and they had eaten it all themselves. Nanny Piggins reasoned that it would be unfair to start the young couple off with a cake that good, because then they would spend every day for the rest of their marriage moaning about how they wanted another slice. Nanny Piggins and her elite cake-baking team soon arrived at Molavadina. She had recruited Hans into the team because she thought she could use some professional help, and also because she felt guilty about his accident and wanted him to have a nice overseas holiday. The capital was a beautiful city with cobbled roads and narrow little shops weaving up the steep hillside to the royal castle at the clifftop overlooking the sea. When they got to the castle, they were immediately taken to meet Princess Annabel. Nanny Piggins knew instantly she was in the presence of a kindred spirit, for the princess was eerily beautiful, which was surprising because extremely chubby women are not normally thought of as a beautiful type, but Annabelle was undeniably so, particularly when she spoke of cake. The happy subject made her cheeks glow and her eyes sparkle. Now, said Nanny Piggins, I am planning to make you my standard wedding cake, that is, an octo-choc chocolate cake with extra chocolate. What's that? asked Princess Annabelle. A chocolate cake with chocolate icing, chocolate filling, chocolate sprinkles, chocolate chips, solid chocolate base, solid chocolate on top, and chocolate cream, explained Nanny Piggins. Have I forgotten a chocolate? Entirely dipped in chocolate, reminded Michael, who'd been counting them off on his fingers. Oh yes, said Nanny Piggins. That's eight types of chocolate, said the princess. What about the extra chocolate? It is served with a piece of chocolate on the side, explained Nanny Piggins. That sounds perfect, exclaimed the princess, clapping her hands with delight. Do you have a picture you could show me? Of course, said Nanny Piggins, handing Princess Annabelle a sheet of paper. Here is a drawing I whipped up on the plane. Oh, said the princess, her face dropping slightly. It looks delicious, but it just looks like a regular chocolate wedding cake. Nanny Piggins smiled. That is because it is a scale drawing. You see the bride and groom on the top of the cake? Nanny Piggins pointed to the figurines at the top of her design. The little figurines, yes, said the princess. They aren't little figurines, explained Nanny Piggins. That's you and the Duke. I am making a cake big enough to have real people as the cake toppers. Princess Annabelle's eyes boggled. But then the cake must be ten metres tall. Fifteen, corrected Nanny Piggins. I don't believe in half measures. I love it, cried the princess. I must have this cake. But that's not all, said Nanny Piggins. I've spoken to some of my friends at NASA, and in exchange for my ongoing silence about a certain international incident that took place earlier in the year, they are lending me a hydraulic system. I don't understand, said the princess. After the ceremony, explained Nanny Piggins, you will be lowered by hydraulics into the cake so you and your groom can eat your way out while the guests eat their way in. Princess Annabelle started to cry tears of joy. She also hugged Nanny Piggins tightly while sobbing. Thank you! Thank you!
Thank you, all of you. This is going to be the best wedding ever. So Nanny Piggins and her team set to work. It was a good job they brought Hans with them. His piping skills were invaluable, and by sitting up on Boris's head, he was able to reach up to decorate the first three metres of cake. He had recovered well from his baker's elbow. Plus, it turned out that Hans knew quite a lot about cake engineering. It was his idea to insert long chocolate rods into the cake for extra support. When the big day arrived, the cake makers were exhausted, but proud. Not since the construction of the Taj Mahal had a man-made, or in this case, pig-made structure been assembled that was so magnificent. Tourists were already coming to the island just to have their picture taken with it and secretly lick the icing when no one was looking. The wedding was to be held at midday, so after she finished piping the entire first chapter of her favourite romance novel along the side of the cake, Nanny Piggins got dressed in her marriage celebrant's robes. An off-the-shoulder evening dress made entirely out of chocolate bar wrappers, which still contained chocolate, just in case she got peckish during the ceremony, and went down to the castle courtyard where the wedding was to be held. As Nanny Piggins stood on top of the giant cake facing the Duke of Slobavia, Having been raised up there in a cherry picker, she got her first good look at the groom. He was tall, which Nanny Piggins knew from reading romance novels was supposed to count for something, and his face was classically handsome. But he was not an attractive man, because the expression on his face was so miserable. "'Have you recently lost a pet?' Nanny Piggins inquired sympathetically. "'I'm not here to make chit-chat. Why can't we just get on with it?' asked the Duke stroppily. "'Because the bride hasn't arrived yet.' Nanny Piggins explained slowly, beginning to be concerned the poor groom had suffered a head injury. That would be right, muttered the groom. Typical woman. What did you say? asked Nanny Piggins, beginning to glower. But at this moment they were interrupted by Michael rushing to the side of the cake and yelling, Nanny Piggins, you better come quickly. What's the matter? called down Nanny Piggins. Probably can't decide which shoes to wear, muttered the groom. Ridiculous female. Nanny Piggins turned back to bite him, but Michael wailed, Please, Nanny Piggins, come quickly! She slid down the solid chocolate fireman's pole, conveniently built into the back of the cake, all structures over ten metres tall should have one, and hurried after Michael. When Nanny Piggins arrived at the princess's bedroom, it was to find Her Royal Highness face down on the bed, weeping loudly. What's the matter? asked Nanny Piggins. She hasn't lost a pet, has she? I don't understand why everyone is in such a bad mood. In most countries, weddings are celebrated as happy occasions. Tell Nanny Piggins what you told us, Samantha urged. Princess Annabel raised her face from her pillow long enough to wail. I don't want to marry the Duke, <laughs> before breaking down into sobs again. Then why on earth did you say you would, asked Nanny Piggins. I just wanted a wedding so I could have one of your wedding cakes, sobbed the princess. Oh, said Nanny Piggins. As a cake lover herself, this made complete sense to her. But you didn't need to get engaged to that awful man just to have one of my cakes, said Nanny Piggins, sitting down next to the princess and giving her a hug. But Daddy wouldn't have paid for it unless it was for a wedding, said the princess. Nanny Piggins would have made you a cake anyway, said Derek. She makes cakes for everyone. When you have a talent such as mine, it's important to share it, said Nanny Piggins. But you needed Daddy's deposit to rent the hydraulic system from NASA, wept the princess. I thought a lifetime of being married to a miserable boar would be worth it for the chance of being lowered into a 15-metre-high octo-choc chocolate cake with extra chocolate and eating my way out. But now I realise it's not. 
Tell Nanny Piggins the rest, urged Samantha. There's more, asked Nanny Piggins, thinking this day was getting to be even more exciting and dramatic than an episode of The Young and the Irritable. I've fallen in love with another, sobbed the princess. With another wedding cake, asked Nanny Piggins. She was struggling to keep up. Oh, no, Princess Annabelle assured her, clutching Nanny Piggins' hand. My heart is forever true to your cake. No, I've fallen in love with another man. Really, said Nanny Piggins, thinking of all the very unimpressive courtiers she'd met during her stay and trying to work out which one was the least revolting. Who? Princess Annabelle began to look a little sheepish at this point. Hans, she whispered. The baker, yelped Nanny Piggins. She did not begrudge Hans the happiness of having a royal princess fall in love with him. No one deserved joy more than him after all the cake-related bliss he brought to others. But the thought of anyone loving Hans entirely took her by surprise. You see, Nanny Piggins was so in love with Hans' baked goods, it never occurred to her to think of him in any other way. These past few days, watching him beat eggs, melt butter, and wedge silver balls into four-inch thick chocolate icing, he stole my heart. I've never seen a more attractive man, gushed Princess Annabel. Of course, said Nanny Piggins. Now that she thought about it, she realised that falling in love with a master baker was the most sensible thing she had ever heard of. It was a wonder that there weren't hordes of women in love with Hans and trying to beat down his shop door. But most people are terribly superficial and would be put off by the fact that he was very short and hairy. In fact, if he was not a man, Hans would have made an excellent bearded lady. But now Daddy is going to make me marry that odious duke, wept the princess. He smells as well, asked Nanny Piggins. Who knew one man could have so very many faults? We can't let Princess Annabel marry into a lifetime of misery, said Samantha. Of course not, agreed Nanny Piggins. If I did, I'd have to hand in my The Young and the Irritable fan club card from the shame. But what can we do, asked Derek. This is a castle surrounded by guards and built on an island in the middle of the sea. They aren't going to let us just waltz off with their princess. Nanny Piggins was rubbing her snout, something she always did when she was thinking hard. Don't worry, I am having the beginnings of a brilliant idea, said Nanny Piggins. A short time later, Nanny Piggins was standing toe-to-toe with Princess Annabel's father, yelling at him. If you can't find the princess, then I'm taking my cake and going home, yelled Nanny Piggins. The wedding will go ahead as planned, and that is an order, barked the king. Your men have been searching for an hour, and they haven't found the princess or the baker she fell in love with. I can't dilly-dally here all day. I've got the partridge dingleberry wedding cake to make when I get back home, said Nanny Piggins. Fine, said the king. Take your cake and go. I've got better things to do than stand around arguing with a pig. I didn't know you were arguing with the duke as well, said Nanny Piggins, looking over her shoulder to see if he was there. He means you, said Derek. He does? Oh, yes, of course. Even I forget I'm a pig sometimes, said Nanny Piggins. The king was just leaving the room to find some more people to yell at when Nanny Piggins called after him. May we borrow your biggest helicopter? It's just that I don't think the airlines will let us take on a 15-metre tall cake as hand luggage. Do what you like, snapped the king. Ten minutes later, Nanny Piggins, Boris and the children were safely inside the helicopter and flying back home. And as I'm sure you've all cleverly figured out, Princess Annabel and Hans the baker were hidden inside the cake, which was hanging beneath the helicopter as it sped over the ocean. Do you think they're all right down there in the cake? asked Samantha. Of course they are, said Nanny Piggins. They have each other. They have true love. 
and they have three metric tons of octo-choc chocolate cake. What more could a young couple ask for? The end. Thank you for listening to support this podcast. Just buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from, from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series. And now there's the audiobooks of Friday Barnes Girl Detective and The Adventures of Nanny Piggins as well. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or you can go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>